Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who's striving to play advanced level works one day. Specifically, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 23.1, the first episode in a series called Parisian Daydreams, a series dedicated to the movement of dreamy Impressionist music that was centered in Paris at the turn of the 20th century. We're going to spend four weeks in this space, listening to works by some of the biggest names of the Impressionist movement. And we're going to start with arguably the most well-known of them all, Claude Debussy. Now, Debussy is no stranger to this podcast, and we've already spent some time talking quite a bit about his influence on this era of music. Even though he shunned the title of Impressionism and found it reductive. We haven't really talked too much about the man himself, though. And we're going to do so eventually in the upcoming episodes. But I wanted to jump right into some music to get us in the right headspace for this series. And there's no better way to do so than to start with a short prelude. Inspired by the set of 24 preludes by Chopin, who himself was inspired by the set of preludes by Bach, Debussy's 24 preludes are considered by some to be his most significant and beautiful contributions to the piano. Published across two sets in the early 1910s, they are the peak of Debussy's creativity and innovation with the instrument. His subsequent piano solo works would face the criticism that he was resting on his laurels and rehashing concepts already seen throughout his career. We broke into this collection of preludes briefly way, way back in the podcast in series number two, with a piece called Footsteps in the Snow, a sparse prelude that paints a picture of a lonely winter landscape. This time around, we're going to hear a different color from WC with one of his most recorded pieces of all, La Fille aux Chevaux de la. Special thanks to YouTube pronunciation videos. And that translates to The Girl with Flaxen Hair. And flaxen translates to blonde. So, the blonde girl. Debussy actually wrote a lesser-known earlier work, which shares the same title. But it shares no musical blood with this prelude. In a bold, morally bankrupt move, Debussy dedicated the original piece to Marie Blanche Vanier, his current mistress. The inspiration for this prelude, however, was a poem by the same name, by Le Conte de Lille, depicting a blonde girl in pastoral Scotland. Here's the first stanza. On the lucerne mist flowers in bloom, who sings praises to morning? It is the girl with golden hair, the beauty with lips of cherry. Girls adorned with golden hair were often symbols of purity and innocence in fine art, 
which Debussy emulates with a simpler style than we're used to hearing from him. The piece is in a key that we have not encountered yet, a difficult key with six flats, G-flat major. G-flat major, the key of conquering difficulties. Triumph over evil, obstacles, and hurdles. Surmounting foes and finally finding rest in victory. Brilliant clarity of thought and feeling. An empowering key for this young blonde woman. But even though at first glance, the music might suggest the key of G-flat major, it's kind of silly to speak of Debussy's work in terms like this, because he routinely employs non-traditional scales and modes throughout his compositions. This is exactly one of the features that helped Impressionist music branch out from the Romantic music that preceded it. While Chopin and his Romantic peers tended to stick more closely to major and minor scales, while maybe incorporating elements of chromaticism here and there, Debussy and his peers expanded the sonic palette to include more color. One of the prime non-traditional scales that Debussy utilized throughout his career is the pentatonic scale. Instead of having seven notes, like the typical major and minor scales that we're used to, pentatonic scales only have five. And in this particular prelude, Debussy employs the G-flat pentatonic scale, which is actually an easy one to play because it just so happens to use all five black keys. The pentatonic scale really comes in handy with Impressionist music because it gives the music a sense of dreamlike floating on clouds, or it indicates that someone's about to have a flashback. The main theme for this prelude is entirely built on the G-flat pentatonic scale. With the exception of one single note, this entire theme is made up of black keys found in that G-flat pentatonic scale. Let's have a listen. The theme starts out naked and bare-boned, with minimal accompaniment, but it builds as the prelude progresses, until we reach a moment where young W.C. writes a stretch of gorgeous chord progressions that will end up being a keystone to his sound. Then the prelude comes to a close with the final iteration of the main theme, this time one octave higher, but with minimal accompaniment, calling back to how the prelude opened. Then we hear a rising arpeggio that fades away into silence.
This is the eighth prelude from Debussy's first set. La fille aux chevaux de laine. The girl with flaxen hair. Well, now that we've set the mood for Paris in the early 1900s, let's keep this dream state rolling with more music. The next piece we're going to talk about is one of Debussy's most popular works called Reverie, a seamless fit for a series on French daydreams. You might be familiar with this piece as it was featured in a first season episode of Westworld, the TV show where a bunch of robots started to gain sentience. Debussy wrote and submitted this piece to a publisher in 1890, which was a bit before he was an established composer, and he wanted to earn a quick paycheck. The publisher sat on the piece at first, but ended up releasing it years later after Claude Debussy became a household name. But by this point in his career, Debussy's tune changed about his previous work, and he expressed his distaste in a letter to the publisher. He writes, I regret very much your decision to publish Reverie. I wrote it in a hurry years ago, purely for commercial purposes. It's a work of no significance, and frankly, I consider it to be no good. Much to Debussy's chagrin, Reverie was a popular hit, and it remains so to this day. Like Wonderwall to Oasis, or Creep to Radiohead, Reverie is another classic example of a hit song that the composer cannot stand. 
but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy these songs. Reverie is an ideal gateway for Debussy's style and sound. He was in the early stages of his career here, so some of his flashy tricks and colorful harmonies are absent. But this is an atmospheric mood piece, like floating on clouds. It's written in a loose ternary form of ABA. The opening section begins with an oscillation that acts as an effective lullaby. Then on top of this gentle rocking, Debussy adds in a wistful singing melody. The B section switches gears a bit, and instead of dreamy trance-like swaying, we have a darker chorale, which gives some contrast to the fluffy prettiness. Towards the end of the piece, the initial melody returns, but this time around, Debussy utilizes some hand-crossing technique to not only have the accompaniment oscillate back and forth, but also above and below the melody line. And the piece closes with a brief callback to the chorale section as the final bars drift away with a rising arpeggiated end. This is Reverie by Debussy.
We've only just begun our journey in Dreamland. We're going to push Debussy aside for a moment, although he'll be making a return before the series concludes. Next week, we'll explore a work by French composer Gabriel Faure. Sweet dreams until then. You can find the standalone recordings of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or reviewing. It's also the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white but they sound like a million colors in your mind.